Hello and welcome to episode 2 of the Dark Rose Comics podcast where we dissect and analyze the deeper meanings of comics all the while attempting to become coffee connoisseurs. I'm your host, Jerry E, and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. Today on Docket, we're going to be talking about and testing a coffee from Colombia called Martin Ramos, and the books we'll be talking about today are Batman the Red Death and Batman the Murder Machine. Now before we get into those, uh, let's catch up a little. What have you been up to this week? Honestly, man, I've just been waiting for my shows to come back on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Which shows have you been watching? Uh, well, The Flash and, and Black Lightning, because I think all of the of the like the DC TV universe is on break until next week on the twenty seventh. Okay, right. So I've just been the fall, like the um, that winter sort of break thing. Yeah, yeah. So I've just been twiddling my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Does but Black Lightning do the same? It's on Netflix, right? It's on Netflix, yeah. But uh, but it's partnered up with I guess the CW. So even on Netflix, it's a weekly release. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, so. but man, I'm telling you, Black Lightning is such a good show. You have to go watch it. Well, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably at some point end up doing it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If it's a weekly release, I might wait for a little bit. Let that come out a little before I go and watch it. You bastard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, what about you, Jerry? What have you been up to? Uh, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Just been doing a lot of reading, as usual. Yeah. Doing yeah. a lot of reading. And uh, I've been trying to get more into games. I've been trying to play some more games. Okay. I've been a l- more infatuated with single-player games recently. Right. So I started installing a bunch of those stuff on the system. Just like some stuff you get from PS Plus or like just stuff I got for s- on sale like before. and just So anything that's just free, you're just going to grab, <laughs> <laughs> grab it and not, just play it. <laughs> not, not just free, but like there was some stuff that I grabbed before for a little bit cheaper. Yeah. So I started just sort of installing those and trying to play those. Yeah. I got a little burned out from open world stuff, so and I from, haven't been doing that. And a lot. burned out from EA Live yet? <laughs> <laughs> not, not not yet. <laughs> uh, NBA Live has been pretty good so far. Yeah. It's best ten dollars I've spent. <laughs> so I've <laughs> been getting a lot of time in on that. But yeah, that that's 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 my week. So that sounds like a good week to me. <laughs> Um, okay, well, th- I mean, there's other stuff I want to talk to you about, but yeah. we can we can probably save that till later. Yeah, of course. Uh, but for now, I think we should just just get right into it. It's coffee time. Coffee time. Okay, so for today's coffee segment, we'll be doing a coffee called Martin Ramos mm-hmm. from the country of Colombia in the Tarquihuia region. Uh, it is by Drum Roaster Coffee. Uh, pretty excited for this one actually so as yeah, per usual too. Jerry why don't you uh, start us off with a sniff sniff smells great <laughs> okay <laughs> um what are you getting like I feel like I'm actually getting like a fruity note like there's a there's definitely a bit of fruitiness to it yeah did you already take the first step? It, it, went, it went in my mouth by oh. accident. <laughs> How does it go in by accident? <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you didn't get nothing though. You didn't preface the sip. <laughs> it went in by accident. Hold on. I was, I was trying to sniff it and then it like, I tipped it right on my lips. And, I was and just, then it just dropped you, right? I was just like, well, no, not, I didn't, I didn't sip it, but I was just like, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Fruitiness is what I get the most. There's, there's definitely like a sweetness to it as well. Yeah. Okay. All Let's, right. Uh, yeah, take a sip. Yeah, okay. I'll, okay, I'll start. Look at that. Look at that. Two sips. Hmm. Okay, but what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> there is a sweetness to it. It's very... Yeah. Um, it's very... But it's very neutral. Like, it's... Yeah. Like I even get the sense for, like because even this in the smell like it just seemed very like just mild in yeah. its in its smell like nothing was was extremely overpowering about it yeah you know what I mean yeah 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 give it give it a try yeah yeah I'll give it a try now oh yeah that 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 fruitiness really kicks in 
right from the get-go. But I can't quite pinpoint like what kind of fruit it is though. It's there's almost there's almost because I can I can taste a bit of the sweetness, but I can also taste a bit of the bitter. There's almost a hint of dark chocolate. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a dark cocoa. Like a seventy percent dark cocoa. Like a yeah. Like a <laughs> seventy to eighty eighty percent depth. <laughs> Just ninety percent like forget about tasting <laughs> anything but bitter. <laughs> I had the ninety percent ones. Oh, is it it's, good? Uh, it, it's a it's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing you'd go to Walmart to intentionally buy. No, no, no. It's something that if it's like in front of me, in my face, I'll eat it. What else are you getting? That's really it for me. Yeah. Like I'm getting like, it's a it's a really pleasant sweetness. It's it's a pleasant sweetness. It's it's fruity. I can't quite pinpoint. Like what's what's a fruit that you would consider to be like mild in its flavor? Mild. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be any of the acid based ones. No. And it wouldn't be any of the citric based ones some sort of berry yeah yeah I kind of agree on that one lingonberry (laughs) (laughs) again with the lingonberry (laughs) back to lingon I mean one day there's gotta be a coffee with notes of lingonberry like and (laughs) notes of lingonberry (laughs) like it's almost like a really mild cranberry to me cranberry yeah that's what it that's what I'm gonna nail it at a mild cranberry Anything else from you? No. Just that dark chocolate. Yeah. But that's about it. All right. Ready to do the reveal? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the flavor notes from this coffee are raspberry and fudge. Oh, shoot. Hey. That wasn't wasn't bad. Does it say dark fudge? Uh, No, it just says fudge. Oh, okay. But I mean, it's not like we're going to get like a super sweet fudge anyway on this. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's a coffee. Yeah. But hey, we're close. We're close. We're close. It's like it's like they just like when they're making the coffee beans, they just take some homemade fudge and they just spread it on the coffee beans. Like hopefully they get this. You <laughs> <laughs> just sprinkling. <laughs> yeah, but no, I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah, uh, this was I think by far this one's my favorite one. Really? Yeah. It's I just... like the um. This one I think is the easiest yeah like on a, like a regular basis yeah. but last week's was nice too the Juan Contreras yeah yeah that one was oh, was bad. that Juan Contreras I think so oh yeah the one from, that's the only one I remember which the one is, from Rwanda yeah yeah okay oh, wait no no that's, no no Kikyo Station Kikyo Station yeah 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 Juan Contreras I think is from the first was the first one yeah prologue yeah this this was pretty good but last week's I like this one's the most enjoyable to me yeah because there's it's 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 well balanced like it's not too acidic and like the sweetness is just right okay yeah i can see that okay perfect well good job to us yeah all right (laughs) pat on the backs we got one that's it man so i guess uh without further ado let's move on to the books yeah let's do it so the first book we're going to be talking about today is called batman the red death the stories written by joshua williamson with art by carmine di gendominicio with colors by Ivan Placentia and lettering done by Tom Napolitano. Uh, so one first thing I want to get into with this book, and I found that it was really interesting from pretty much the opening segment yeah. or the opening sequence of this book, yeah. is that they they start right away with something with a phrase, stop me if you've heard this one, yeah. which really in literature just sort of preps you up for something familiar yeah. And then a twist yeah. with something different. Yeah. And I think specifically to these books in these cases, mm-hmm. it very much is just familiar and then yeah. something goes wrong. Something clicks wrong. Yeah. Um, especially in this case, I thought it was really interesting because the opening of this issue is it's actually very similar to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. And they're talking about the multiverse and stuff like that. And then it, it starts to change right away. And yeah. from the lettering too, you can see you can sort of get a hint of where they're going with uh, or who's narrating that s- sequence essentially. Yeah. And I thought I thought it was really interesting that 
the twist essentially happens right away. Oh yeah. And they twist it right into the dark multiverse. Yeah. But what has me really interested is last week we spoke about the idea of having infinite loops. Yeah. Or having essentially infinite loops of finite possibilities. Yeah. Right? Looping infinitely in our infinite universe. Yeah. In this, they're talking about um they essentially tell you that what is cons- what is created by essentially your your deepest fears uh-huh. is manifesting these worlds in the dark multiverse. Yeah. So from the dark multiverse, those choices then, because they're perceived as wrong, they yeah. rot away. Mm-hmm. Now, what would be really interesting is what if those worlds don't rot away? Mm-hmm. And before they do, the people of that multiverse are essentially making uh, having the same kind of fears or same kind of different decisions that are made that branches into what they will consider wrong yeah those would essentially loop back to us yeah because then those possibilities would eventually intertwine with our possibilities exactly right yeah because we're exactly we're essentially the fears are create creating the opposite yeah what we hope to happen or the opposite Mm -hmm. of what we think will happen yeah but from them, the opposite will be looped back right to us. Yeah. So I think the idea of this dark multiverse and the idea of what he's showing in that opening sequence is really fascinating because it is really it's harping back to the point that we were trying to make last week. Yeah. About having these finite set of sequences yeah. that create an infinite loop. Yeah. And I think that part is really, really wonderfully done mm-hmm. in this book. Uh it's actually great, Jerry, that you that you brought that up because that opening scene or opening scene well there's like a movie or something movie <laughs> um, that opening line uh, where they talk about you know every fear and every bad decision gives birth to a malformed world of nightmare right yeah. when you really think about it that's everyone mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so I actually kind of want to lead that into a, a bit of a mini discussion right Right. Um, you know why don't you give me an example of, of one decision in your life Right. That you're glad that you never followed through with. And if you did, what, what do you think your life would be like now? That I never follow through with. Yeah. One that you're happy you never followed through with. Um, well, <laughs> the simplest one would be, and something that I'm still kind of facing now, yeah. I guess. Uh, a long time ago, yeah. I uh, put my name in a... Uh, you know when you go to like carnivals and whatnot, yeah. and there's little boxes that you can drop off your name and contact. Yeah, and then you're trying to like win a cruise ship or win a cruise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I dropped my name in there, and then they called and they're like, "Oh, you didn't win the top prize, but you won something, something, blah blah blah." And I got yeah. excited and I gave them some info. Yeah, and since then, yeah, that was like ten years ago. Yeah, they're still calling me about this vacation package that I already told them I don't want anymore. because <laughs> that's when I learned. <laughs> that's when I learned what a um what is that called the time what timeshare yeah 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 that's when I learned what that was oh. <laughs> I didn't know that, that existed and I was like oh and then I knew people that like actually had timeshares and like you know just like you know sharing with other people right yeah 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 and I had no idea what that was and I was like oh so they're gonna be just making presentations on the sh- so I don't want this yeah forget that but from then on for like 10 years like just like yesterday I received a call too from some like random marketing company like oh do you still want your vacation package I was like no no it's been years <laughs> you've Stop. already made it clear that I've lost that vacation package yeah, you want to give me like, something else <laughs> like just, I, I don't want this anymore I don't want a timeshare I think had I gone through with it yeah. right now I'd be stuck on a timeshare <laughs> force myself to take vacations I don't need <laughs> and just force myself to lose days of vacation I don't need to yeah. go on this thing to like sit in a presentation for no reason yeah yeah so that I mean that's one thing <laughs> yeah um, I have I have one example for myself uh, but it's not it's something that I'm actually I actually regret not following through with mm-hmm as opposed to being glad. Um, so a few years ago, I was really big into penny stocks, right? Okay. So one day I was looking at uh, at this sh- at this company, and I was like, ah, you know, there's a bit of bit of buzz around it, right? Maybe I should just throw in like two hundred bucks, right? It was like maybe like half a cent a share, 
Yeah. Right. So let me go through in 200 bucks. See how, see what happens. Uh, I didn't end up doing it. The next day, that stock went up 500,000%. So I did the math. If I had just put in $200, I would have made $5 million from that. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... <laughs> this so, is how the dark multiverse starts. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is how it starts. Exactly. It's, it's your worst nightmare. I'm, I'm in the dark multiverse right now. Yeah, this is... <laughs> I'm just like, because you just like, and I'll tell my girlfriend this. She's like, you should have never told me that. Yeah. Because then it's just like, our life would be so different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I had just had $5 million. <laughs> just like that, yeah. Just, just like that, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's 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 definitely one thing that, uh, <laughs> that I definitely regret not doing. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay, yeah, that's that, that's full of regrets. That's that's way worse than my timeshare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at least, you know, that's one thing that... That you don't need. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly, like, you don't yeah. want it. Yeah. I want $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who'd be the dummy to turn it down? Oh, yeah. But it is what it is, right? I yeah. mean, that, that's life, right? And I always try and justify it. Be like, oh, but I'm kind of glad it didn't work out that way. There was then, no kind of glad. Like, no, okay, yeah. That it's, would've just, it's 200 bucks. <laughs> I know. Uh, uh. You know what? Forget <laughs> that's, that's just, uh, This is uh, This is taking us down a dark path. That's a dark path. <laughs> I don't think... We we are dark multiverse personified now. <laughs> I feel like all of these guys, their actions are kind of justified now. Oh yeah, I feel like I kind of side with them. Yeah, <laughs> kind of want them to win now. <laughs> now, um, with with Red Death and actually Murder Machine uh, following after this, right? What I really enjoyed about uh, both of these Dark Knights and what I'm assuming is is going to be similar for uh, the the other Dark Knight issues that we'll be covering moving forward. Yeah. It's not so much about how they became how they became, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I feel like <clears throat> their stories are more or less similar on that sense, right? Yeah. Very much Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, you know, like it only takes one bad day for someone to descend into lunacy sort of thing. Yeah. Right? Uh, what really interests me about these characters um, is the psychology of them mm-hmm. how and, and how they became how they became um, mentally in that sense. Right? Uh, because it's actually so different from the Batman that we know yeah. and, and how he behaves. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, I have a couple of points here mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and I'm just gonna read them because they're, <laughs> because they're so like I I went in pretty in depth with them right right but uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll shoot them off and then um, I guess you can make whatever comments you want to make about them sure right yeah, yeah. so um, the first one I have about Red Death is something called secondary anger right okay. so Batman is using anger as a shield against a primary more distressful emotion yeah. Uh, likely sadness through the loss of everyone close to him in this universe. Mm-hmm. He blames himself for the death of his family and presumably for the death of the Robins. Instead of coping with his sadness directly, he chooses to use anger as a driving force to become someone who would no longer feel the sadness and vulnerability he currently does mm-hmm. by becoming his own version of the Flash via stealing the Speed Force. Right. Right. So um, I thought that that was really interesting mm-hmm. because. A, cu- a couple of times in this issue, you see Batman raise the point that, you know, it's, I'm just not good enough to to deal with what I need to deal with as I am right now. Yeah. Right. So uh, it's just it's just something that he that he wants to become and he's going to take whatever means necessary to, to become that. Mm-hmm. Right. So which is which is a super detraction from how Batman is normally yeah right yeah um the second point i want to make is something called anger by psychological salvation Mm -hmm. right it's clear that batman is suffering through a period of significant self-image deprecation Mm -hmm. he no longer sees himself as someone who can protect the people that are close to him let alone gotham or the world this is what john bradshaw would define as a shame-based identity and Anger is used to numb Batman from the guilt and powerlessness he experiences with this identity. Right? Okay. So, uh, where that sort of plays in uh, in this issue, uh, 
um, is I mean again with the self-deprecation you know he basically says he's he's not good enough to to take care of Gotham he's not good enough to save to save the world mm-hmm. right so he's very much using anger um, to basically shield himself from the other emotions right to basically save himself in his brain mm-hmm. right because if he were just to let himself just just be swallowed by by the sadness and the sorrow that he feels from from losing everybody mm-hmm. i feel like this issue that like he probably just kill himself like this <laughs> is definitely an issue that would not happen if that was the case right yeah, right? yeah, yeah. um and the last point uh that i want to make about this is something called anger as self-validation okay right uh, because Batman has numbed himself to the more distressful emotions, anger then begins to serve as validation for his viewpoint. This in turn continually invalidates the viewpoints of others around him, which in this case, of course, would be the Flash, right? Right. Despite the Flash telling him that he cannot use the Speed Force to turn back time or use it as a more extreme means of saving the world, Batman tries to steal the Speed Force from him anyway. Batman then says that the Flash should understand and that if the roles were reversed, he would have used every tool at his disposal to get the Flash what he needed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that in itself is, is a terrible justification. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's like if I were, if you were to ask me, hey, I need you to kill somebody for me. Right. Right, because of X, Y, Z. And it's just, no, man, that's not right. I can't, I can't just kill somebody for you. And then you just go, well, I would have done it for you. <laughs> it's it's a it's a terrible justification mm-hmm. but in this moment because he's so angry not only at himself right well i mean he's mostly angry at himself but then his anger also starts to path out to the people that have hurt him right right uh but because he's mostly just angry at himself right he that's the only justification that he that he can use in the moment mm-hmm to try and steal the speed force from the flash and he just follows through with it anyway right so i thought that was really interesting in terms of the psychological breakdown of of red death okay right because it's not like he becomes a completely bad person right do you get what i mean yeah but it's just that his view of justice at that point is becomes very skewed Mm -hmm. right because it's no longer a Batman that tries to think logically, that tries to be deductive, mm-hmm. right? Um, that tries to become the detective that we all know that he is, right? right yeah. He's just a Batman that's run by by emotion, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting take um, on how the Batman could have become, right? Yeah, and I think there's there's always some sort of parallel. There's always parallels to what these Batman go through. Yeah. And there is truth to what they would become should those things happen yeah. to our Batman, like to yeah. the Earth Zero Batman. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like your point where you're talking about him using him using anger as a shield against other emotions such as yeah. sadness. Yeah. Because to him, we learned that in this issue a lot of things happened and mm-hmm. he essentially lost everybody around yeah. him. Yeah. And the idea of that in Earth Zero Batman mm-hmm. has always been the family is what keeps him together. Yeah. Right? The family is what keeps Batman sane. Yeah. What keeps Batman on his path towards this towards righteousness mm-hmm. on this crusade. Yeah. Um, because he's really not I think initially Batman is about trying to avenge his parents or trying to protect the city from having that stuff happen to him again. But yeah. eventually, I think Batman became this this character about protecting the people who he cares about, yeah, and about training these training the people around him, training the Bat family, yeah, and working with them so that they can have that same type of compassion towards other people and mm-hmm. essentially try to save Gotham. Yeah, but once he loses that he doesn't exactly have a grounding. Yeah, he has, exactly. So he doesn't have, he doesn't have what is necessary then to remain calm and grounded about mm-hmm. the decisions he needs to make yeah. to save, you know, yeah. to save Gotham. Yeah. So, in that sense, and it's also, <laughs> your third point about self-validation. Yeah. 
he essentially doesn't have anyone else to tell him that it's justified. Yeah. And he knows he's already going down this path. Yeah. So he has to be telling he has to be telling the other people around him that he's trying to get help from them. Yeah. He has to go in this sort of like illusion that he mm-hmm. would have done the same for other people. Yeah. Right? And I think at that point then it, it just the justification is no longer there. Yeah. But in his mind it is. Yeah. And that's sort of that that is like the the sadness, the real sadness and flaw yeah. to this version of Batman is yeah. that what we see happen to him, yeah, that decay that happens to him mm-hmm. would eventually happen to him should this stuff happen in the real Earth Zero. Batman. Yeah, which yeah. is like because, and that's when you start to really feel bad for Batman in this issue. Yeah, because then you put yourself in his shoes, right? It's like, what kind of a person would I become if I had lost everybody that I loved? Right. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Right. I I don't think that I would be a very nice person <laughs> at, at that point, right? I'd mm-hmm. probably be just as angry as him, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, just to add, uh, you know, a bit more to your point, Jerry, um, uh, he has to basically, he's basically con- convincing himself and himself only yeah. that this is the right path to take yeah right so i mean this issue to me was was such a real tragedy mm-hmm. right because that could that could be any one of us yeah you know what i mean that could be any one of us that that does something destructive yeah just because we were angry at ourselves for not being able to protect the ones that are closest to us mm-hmm. right so and his reasoning Batman Batman has always has always found himself to be the one with all the solutions. Yeah. Right? And in this particular case, he, I mean he's not wrong. Yeah. The Batman that we know, wh- whichever universe, the Batman that we know has always been the one with solutions. So he even in this case shows that he has the solution to get what he wants. Yeah. Right? So from that point of view, his reasoning is kind of justified in a sense that given if he was given what his league members have he could do things and he'll understand the gravity of the situations and do things to a point where he just couldn't have done before as a human yeah right he wanted those powers so that he could try to outdo everything at the same time yeah right and that actually draws an interesting comparison to to Tom King's Batman run, the earth like the beginning of Tom King's Batman run, which mm-hmm. is something that I think it's it's something that we're gonna have to discuss in another episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that that run is really interesting yeah. to break down. But it's the idea that Batman understands his mortality. Yeah. He understands that he is not invulnerable. Yeah. So he is looking for outlets to help him on this crusade to save the city. Yeah. And he understands that not mere humans can do it. Yeah. And in this particular situation, it's just... I mean, it's gone bad, but yeah. it is essentially kind of what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Is to is that the Flash can give him the avenue he needs to then outpace everything. Yeah. And get everything done and yeah. save the city. But the funny thing about that is... And just to sort of counter your point a little bit. Not counter it, mm-hmm. but... But there's two sides to that coin, right? Right. Because the Batman that we know yes he has solutions but he also understands the repercussions of every solution that he comes up with right right? and he'll go with the solution that does the least amount of damage Mm -hmm. right whereas in this case yeah he has a solution but the repercussions are so grand yeah right but he doesn't care anyway yeah he's just gonna follow through with it right so that to me is is the biggest difference between um, this dark multiverse is Batman mm-hmm. versus um, the Batman that we know, right? right? Which actually brings me to my next point about the the Red Death. Um, later on in the issue, he says, uh, "This world's Flash. He'll understand that in times of crisis, there must be a sacrifice, right?" So uh, this takes place um, when he becomes the Red Death, mm-hmm. right? Um, and goes into um, our Barry Allen's universe or the universe that 
or the main one, which mm-hmm. I think is it's Earth Zero, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it goes into Earth Zero, the main universe, um, and he ba- he basically create, creates the speed storm that just sucks the life out of everyone, <laughs> right? Including uh, in this issue, uh, some of the people that are closest to to Barry, mm-hmm. right? And again, this is so completely different from the Batman that we know, right? Because the Batman that we know would not intentionally harm citizens and would not intentionally kill anybody for the sake of any cause, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in fact, he would probably sacrifice himself first before sacrificing anybody else. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Whereas in this case, this Batman is just hell-bent on doing whatever it takes necessary to achieve his version of justice. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, I have an anime comparison for this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Uh, before you get to the anime <laughs> yeah. comparison, yeah, yeah. Uh, just real quick, you were talking about the the line where he says, uh, this world's flash, he'll understand in times of crisis there must be a sacrifice. Right, yeah. It's actually interesting because uh, the original death of Barry Allen happened yeah. in Crisis on Infinite Earth. Mm-hmm. With that crisis, that, that was actually before, that was actually when he died yeah. And when Wally West took over, yeah. And and then you know years down the line, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Johns kind of brought him back, right? yeah. Um, but that was actually, I I don't know, but I feel like that's a I feel like that's a nod to that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, anime comparison. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I actually drew this comparison uh, to a character named Topo from Dragon Ball Super. Okay. Right. Uh, Topo is a character who holds his pride within justice, right? Mm-hmm. And he vehemently fights against things that he considers to be wrong, mm-hmm. right? Um, right now, in the current and final arc of Dragon Ball Super, unfortunately, yeah, I'm it's... crying deep inside because the show is ending after three <laughs> years. But um, uh, in the Tournament of Power, uh, basically, each universe is fighting for their it's survival. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for ah, those who really want no, to watch Dragon Ball. <laughs> like myself. <laughs> I haven't watched any of it. So, spoiler alert. To me. To yourself. <laughs> to and me. I guess to anybody else who hasn't watched Dragon yeah. Ball Super, but intends to watch it. Yeah. Um, right now, there's the arc called the Tournament of Power, where each universe is fighting for their own survival. Right? So, Topo is from Universe 11. Right? And I believe right now, there's about eight universes that are fighting for their survival. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, in the Tournament of Power, uh, Topo is actually on the cusp of being defeated by Frieza, right? And then in that moment, Topo realizes within or makes the decision for himself that his justice and his pride means nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. And after discarding his uh, all of that, uh, he becomes a god of destruction. Okay. Right? And he basically is going to eliminate anybody he needs to eliminate because the main priority to him now is just his universe's survival. That's it. Right. Right. So it's very similar to the Red Death in that sense. I think so. Yeah. And actually, interesting enough, um, so we're saying here that Batman is trying to take the Flash's powers. Yep. Um, this, this Essentially, this situation has happened in Injustice in that video game comic. Prequel. Yes. Yeah, so in that series, Superman essentially acts as both of those conduits. Mm-hmm. Um, he essentially is the character that held the morals like yeah. Batman, mm-hmm. but had the powers of like the Flash, of everyone, like yeah. the super strength, the speed, yeah. and whatnot. And he decided through tragedy that it just wasn't going to work anymore. And yeah. I think what really keeps these heroes grounded is the fact that they they are essentially making these decisions because they know this is the right thing to do yeah. and that they need to protect the people that, that they care for, the people that they love. So yeah. when that's all taken away, when that's all stripped away mm-hmm. and you see it happen in Injustice and you see it happen here yeah. with the Red Death yeah. and most likely the other Batman mm-hmm. is that once that's gone, there is literally nothing to to ground you, nothing yeah. to hold you back. Yeah, And you, if you have that power, you then just go and you enforce the justice to your vision to your yeah. means so that yeah. you through justification don't want other people to suffer through the same thing yeah yeah so i think that's really it's really interesting absolutely um, um again with just to add on to that point right and and 
I'm glad that you brought up Injustice because, I mean, that's essentially the the epitome story, right? When mm-hmm. a hero sort of starts to rule with an iron fist. Right. Right. Yeah. And I feel like uh, a lot of the, the Dark Knights, and I'm sure we'll notice as we go deeper into them, a lot of the Dark Knights follow that that sort of similar path yeah right where they again like you said jerry they just lose that ground right right and once you lose it like anything goes anything goes yeah (laughs) there's nothing holding you back nothing nothing to stop you right yeah exactly exactly so i think actually you brought up a good point actually i'm reading one of your notes right now uh you brought up the, the Mask of the Red Death from Edgar Allan Poe. Can you go a little deeper into sure, that? Sure, yeah. Um, so when I was looking when I was looking up to, to find references for the Red Death to yeah. see if there's any... Because I feel like the naming of these have a yeah. very... The naming of this has a yeah. very important yeah. factor. Yeah. So I started looking up the Red Death and what was interesting is that the, the, um, the short story from Edgar Allan Poe called The Mask of the Red Death, yeah. which is essentially this fictitious disease. Yeah. It causes sharp pain, sudden dizziness, and profuse bleeding at the pores. Mm-hmm. Um, when it dies, and yeah. you just die very yeah. quickly. Like within a half hour, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It's interesting that the Red Death in that story, um, basically what happens is uh, a bunch of rich people, they're trying to avoid the plague, mm-hmm. and they throw a ball but then there's this mysterious figure that's going along, going through the ball. Yeah. And it's going through the seven rooms individually. Mm-hmm. And people are dying. Yeah. And when he was confronted, um, he essentially turned around. And then the person who confronted him uh, just started just, you know, essentially gets hit with this disease and mm-hmm. just dies. Yeah. And they eventually realize that the figure that was going through is the Red Death. It's mm-hmm. the, you know, it's the idea of the Red Death. Right. So... What's interesting is in this story, mm-hmm. in Batman the Red Death, when the Flash showed up on uh, Earth Zero, mm-hmm. um, there were characters that he encountered mm-hmm. that ended up succumbing to very similar uh, symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no like, there was no bleeding pores. No. You know, but yeah. you know, that was just way too much for That's DC so Comics. Gruesome. It's so gruesome. <laughs> but what the speed at which they the speed at which they contracted those symptoms yeah. and the decay that they that we saw in the images mm-hmm. the decay that they were suffering through yeah. um, essentially they were aging yeah. right? it looked like they were aging yeah. uh, because I think it's just the particles were accelerating too fast around them yeah, yeah. they started to age and they essentially die of decay Yeah, I think that's a really interesting mirror from what I think maybe from this story Yeah, um, because I think the idea is all there Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that way yeah um, in the last line of the actual Mask of the Red Death story, mm-hmm. um, it's, the last line is, and darkness and decay and the Red Death held in limitable dominion over all. Yeah. And that's essentially what happens yeah. in the story for Batman. Yeah. Uh, Batman the Red Death, mm-hmm. which is darkness that showed up, the darkness from the Dark Multiverse, mm-hmm. um, the decay from what the Red Death was essentially ripping through the city. Yeah. And he just, the Red Death held dominion overall. Yeah. And he just essentially controlled the city at that point. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Like a really good mirror to that story. Yeah. Like yeah. when you really think about it in that sense, actually, you can you can think of the Red Death as the plague itself. Yeah. Right? Like the plague, it's, it sweeps through mm-hmm. a population and just kills everybody. Yeah. Just as the Red Death came, swept through. Mm-hmm. and killed everybody yeah right um and you know similar to the plague you don't see it coming mm-hmm. right so actually that's a good point I, i'm really glad that you brought that up yeah it's when i was doing the research about it it was yeah it was one thing that really jumped out at me yeah yeah so what are you think what are your uh overall thoughts on uh, the red death as an issue uh, the book itself i think is constructed really well yeah um they they really showed the what was happening on the two worlds mm-hmm. and Carmen's art on this is incredible because it was just it's it's just fast paced through the story yeah just like a flash story would and he's the he's the current artist on the flash yeah as well yeah and just 
what he was the story that he was telling with his art mm-hmm. and carrying those lines throughout yeah. the panels and mm-hmm. it's just so well constructed and it really puts you through that fast paced nature as well yeah and he was really able to show the emotions on a lot of the characters too mm-hmm. um, the the part where Batman is trying to take the power yeah that was that was gut wrenching <laughs> reading that I was like oh no yeah yeah and, it, um, I felt so bad for Barry yeah because he held on to the hope yeah right and we were yeah. talking about it in our in our prologue we were talking about how Barry was essentially the conduit of hope right yeah. he was the wielder of the light of hope yeah um, and, and in this issue he shined he he showed exactly that yeah right but ultimately it, it didn't prevail yeah but the, the story did a really good job I think highlighting what is what is absolutely wrong with the dark multiverse yeah and why it's it's such a powerful thing mm-hmm. like it's such a powerful force of nature for these guys mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, my thoughts are, are pretty much similar to the issue I really enjoyed it you know I'm a Flash fan mm-hmm. <laughs> I mentioned, I think I mentioned it almost every episode so do, did you like the Flash? are you, are you, are you, are you a fan you, of Flash? yeah Jerry I love the Flash oh, oh, oh my god Victor, I had no idea you love the Flash whoa <laughs> but uh, it was what what's good for me um, just like you just mentioned Jerry what was good for me was was seeing the Flash uh, stay as an un- unshakable uh, character mm-hmm. in his morale and and his sense of justice, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, just like you said, it was it was it was fast paced. There was a lot of action going on. Uh, there was no panel to me that was like that was not there for no reason. Yeah. Right. Um, and I believe that artistically and writing wise, uh, this was definitely one of the better issues for sure. I think so. I think <laughs> yeah, so. Absolutely. I absolutely enjoyed it. Yeah, from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And it was actually a lot of fun doing the research on it too because it led me down uh, a, a research path that I didn't think I would do for this book. Yeah. And yeah, it was learning a lot of things along the way. So <laughs> <laughs> I realized that we have to dig pretty deep for these issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but that that's that's the fun of it, right? That's the yeah. fun of it. Um, so anyway, so I think we should get on to the second book. Yep. Um, the second book, uh, Batman the Murder Machine, mm-hmm. uh, with story by Frank Thierry, James mm-hmm. Tiny and the Fourth, yep. uh, with art by Ricardo Federici, yep. colors by Rain Barreto, and letters also done by Tom Napolitano. Yeah. Uh, this book is about Batman... Um, on the surface, yeah. uh, because the the way that the Batman, um, the the Dark Knights were mm-hmm. advertised, mm-hmm. was sort of an amalgamation of what Batman would be as if he became sort of a nightmares version of another League member. Yeah, right. So this book essentially leads you to believe of his combination with Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Right, it's about um, being this machine that mm-hmm. can control his motions. Right. Yeah. But I think this book really dug in a different way and and dug at a different relationship yep. that was really was really much more powerful than what it would have been if it was just Batman Cyborg yeah um, this book to me the biggest theme for it is Bruce's relationship with Alfred yes and that throughout the history of Batman has been one of the most powerful and long lasting relationships yeah. and one of the more complex relationships yeah. I think, but also one of the more stable relationships in yeah. DC as well, right? Yeah, like throughout, throughout, you know, the different iterations of Batman, the the relationship between uh, Batman slash Bruce Wayne and Alfred has essentially stayed the same, right? Like there's nothing that's changed about it, right? Of course, but then when the new Fifty Two came in, you know, you had that different relationship between Superman and Wonder Woman, uh, but. And, and similar things like that as well. Just ca- different characters having different relationships. But that relationship has stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. Right? But before we move on to anything about uh, the the breakdown of this comic, I just have to say okay. that the artwork by Ricardo Federici and the coloring by Rain Burrito, oh, so good. So, like, so good. So good. Like, at, from the very first page... I was just blown away by how good the artwork was. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. His the 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 pencil the penciling on this and then the colors the, the color I think the color really in itself told a story as well. Yeah. Um because, just yeah. 
Yeah, because it was much more doom and gloom. Yeah. In the in that alternate universe. In, yeah. In Earth forty four, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then in Earth Zero, there were colors to it, but you can see the darkness taking it over. Was, it was a, it was a more grayer panel. scale. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like, there was nothing bright about it. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I just, the artwork just absolutely blew me away. You, you get the emotions, yeah. you get the action, and you also get the, the just the, the detail to mm-hmm. what they're trying to tell, like the intricacy of the relationship they're trying to portray. Yeah. The, the art did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, now again, <laughs> with Murder Machine, um, I took a bit more of a, a of a psychological approach to it. Yeah, right. So, um, not quite as much as <laughs> as the Red Death. Yeah. But... See, <laughs> I think it's interesting that yeah. you did in that sense. Yeah. Um, because I think we're gonna see more moving forward that you're gonna break things down more psychologically. Yeah. And I would break things down more as just like the story element. Yeah. And it, it's fine because. I was <laughs> back in university. Yeah. I was going to go to psychology. And oh, dark, that's cool. And I didn't. So <laughs> One of those decisions you're glad you didn't follow through with. Right? One of those decisions. It, so Dark multiverse Jerry would be a psychologist right now. Uh, that right? Ended, that ended up in a killing spree. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> but um, in this one, um, you know, we, we see that Alfred gets killed by what looks like to be the Suicide Squad. Yeah, 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 yeah. pretty much. With pretty much. Uh, plus Bane, Suicide Squad plus Bane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we see this incorrect dealing of loss through Batman, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I've taken a few things from the Kubler Ross model, uh, which is uh, the five stages of grief. Yeah, right. Which is generally accepted. Um, as a progression of emotional states uh, that an Im- individual goes through after experiencing the loss of a loved one, right? right. With the five stages being uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, right? Yeah. Even though the Kubler-Ross model has been widely criticized for uh, sort of implying that all individuals go through this linear progression of emotional states, which is completely untrue mm-hmm. because everyone's different, right? Yeah. Um, and for supposedly lacking uh, empirical evidence, uh, it's definitely a simple narrative that comic book writers can draw from. Yeah. Um, and uh, in this dis- in this instance, uh, this is definitely where Batman should have been going, right? With yeah. these with these uh, five stages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, we don't see Batman go through these stages at all, right? And he, in fact, actually is in a constant state of denial yeah uh and he doesn't seek any sort of acceptance at all uh through alfred's death of alfred's death sorry um and some psychologists would say that this is attributed to early childhood trauma Mm -hmm. which in batman's case would obviously be the loss of his parents yeah and this makes the loss of alfred more intolerable rather than painful yes right because you know we're, we're both at an age where you know we've lost people that are close to us yeah right uh but it's and it's painful it sucks but we at least we by what i mean by we is the people that we know mm-hmm. at least we've been able to <clears throat> to process it in a way where we can move on mm-hmm. right but in in batman's case it's it's intolerable like he cannot take it right, right. and it's and it's it's no longer just painful right which leads to sort of this unhealthy decision of recreating Alfred rather than accepting his death. Right. Right. So uh, I thought that was, well, number one, I thought that was super creepy. (laughs) That sort of, when he said that he had scanned Alfred's brain Mm -hmm. and he wanted to create um, an AI model of him, I was like, oh, this is, immediately you you knew that was not going to end well. Yeah. Yeah, because deep inside for for Alfred, his yeah. only thing is the protection of Bruce Wayne. Right, right. So, and the protection of Bruce Wayne, protection of Batman. Mm-hmm. So, when you take the human aspect out of it, yeah, and you're just left with the AI, with that simple statement of protect Bruce Wayne. Yeah, things just go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of what we see here in this book is that Bruce creates this AI mm-hmm. 
for Alfred. Yeah. Um, and Alfred essentially, to me anyways, mm-hmm. deep inside probably doesn't agree with Bruce's version of justice. Mm-hmm. He probably believes that pe- bad guys need to be brought down. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's some sort of hev- like a heavier punishment for him. Yeah. So he goes... So we see in the story that he goes on this on this um on this rampage yeah and essentially takes out batman's rogues gallery yeah with ease mm-hmm. because he is he took out the compassion part of it right which mm-hmm. is one of batman's greater strength as well yeah. which is he shows the compassion that everyone can change yeah and everyone has the ability to change yeah so before he pulls the trigger he says can i rehabilitate you yeah and he goes and he does it over and over and over again mm-hmm. and he's constantly giving his rogues gallery a chance mm-hmm. alfred on the other hand with ai alfred mm-hmm. not quite the same way yeah. he just goes and he just says nope and he takes them all out one by one yeah and he just says okay bruce let me in yeah. we can go bigger with this yeah right and his his ai essentially becomes what cyber calls a, a virus yeah right so he goes and tries to do this whole thing yeah and then Batman still in the phase of denial is yeah. now debating in his head whether or not he should let Alfred back into his life yeah right yeah and that that loss of Alfred is what made him so vulnerable to that yeah right because in, in any other case Batman wouldn't have done it because mm-hmm. the, the the Batman from Earth Zero knows that that's not the Alfred that he knows. Yeah. Right? So in that case... I mean, well, first of all, Earth-Zero Batman would never create an AI version of Alfred in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if that happens, right? Where yeah. Alfred dies, right? Um, but... But you mean... I mean, you never know. Yeah. Maybe it's already there. Because yeah. at the end... Uh, spoilers for, <laughs> for Snyder's run on Batman from the New 52. Yeah. The New 52 was like a year and a half ago, so yeah. really, go, go read it. So, spoiler warning... <laughs> You've been told. Okay. Batman, in that story from Super Heavy, yeah, when essentially he, he says there's there's this device mm-hmm. that... And actually, it's one of the things that treated him one of the medals to become the gateway in this story, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. But that device essentially took what was Batman yeah. and injected back into him when he yeah. lost his memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he already has all of this planned out. So yeah. it's not really out of the realm of possibility that Earth Zero Batman already has something built in for Alfred. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the difference I think between Earth Zero Batman and the Stark Universe uh, Batman is that yeah. Bruce from Earth Zero probably has it, but mm-hmm. won't pull the trigger. Yeah. Whereas Bruce from the Stark Universe is still constantly in denial that he'll be very easily swayed to to pull that trigger yeah right and I think that's that's the main difference between those but I, I, I do think it exists yeah well yeah. I mean it exists because it exists in this dark multiverse right yeah, it, yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean like the dark multiverse and this variation of, of Batman wouldn't have existed if that possibility wasn't already there right Remember, do you know right. what I mean so yeah. yeah no I completely get what you're saying with that right um, and this sort of uh, brings me to my next point right which is a quote from the 1978 or was it 1979 it's one of those two uh (laughs) the the original superman movie with christopher reeves uh when uh jarell is seeing uh kal-el off in the spaceship before krypton explodes right and he says the son becomes the father the father becomes the son Mm -hmm. right uh which we totally see happen (laughs) in in, in this issue right and that's actually a variation of a poem written by uh william woodsworth in 1802 um, and I'll quickly go over that right now. Uh, in, in the poem, it's, he says, My heart leaps up when I behold a rainbow in the sky. So it was when my life began, so it is now I am a man. So be it when I shall grow old or let me die, the child is father to the man. I, w- I could wish my days to be bound to each by natural piety. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though this is meant to be uh, an uplifting message of sorts, um, in the case of Murder Machine, it's it's actually a very tragic message, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because the AI version of Alfred seeks to protect Batman at all costs, right. right? Just to add to your earlier point, uh, Jerry, when uh, when Alfred basically preemptively kills mm-hmm. all of uh, the villains that Batman's ever faced, 
right? Or at least it's implied that that's what happened. Yeah. Right? Um, the AI version of Alfred is bound by his quote-unquote natural piety to do so. Right. Right? He even goes so far as to transform Batman into a, a cybernetic creation which has no fear and has no weakness. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I have an argument to that. Okay. Right? Because in in this issue, um, uh, Murder Machine claims that Alfred has created him to be uh, this being that has no fear and no weakness. Yeah. Right? But... If there was a real chance that you could eliminate the AI version of Alfred and Murder Machine knows this, wouldn't that in itself be a weakness? So you mean from the outside now, eliminating the AI? Yeah. I don't... Because that in itself has to be a weakness. Right, because it's still... He's still bound by that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, just to sort of add further into the point, uh, when he transforms Batman, mm-hmm. uh, the AI version of Alfred actually becomes a part of Batman. Right. And in turn, Batman becomes a part of Alfred. Yeah. Right. So the son literally becomes the father, and the father the father literally becomes the son. Yeah. Right. Um, and in which case, this can actually be seen uh, as an antithesis uh, of the same quote from from the movie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in Superman's story, he's carrying on the legacy and responsibilities that Jor-El left behind for him. Uh, and this is, of course, in hopes that Superman becomes something greater than Jor-El ever was, yeah. right? In Murder Machine's case, they are bound by this endless goal of protecting each other. Mm-hmm. Neither one becomes better than the other, but rather ends up becoming one and the same. Yeah. Right? So... That was sort of sort of what, what I drew from it. Maybe it's a, a bit of a reach, but no, I think no, it's it's great because I think it's it abs it absolutely becomes that yeah. at the end, and he even goes as much to admit it himself mm-hmm. that he he was made he's now made without weakness, made without fear, mm-hmm. and he is now always he is now always bound yeah. to Alfred, right? And yeah, he will never be left again. Yeah, and really, that's what that's what this is that that relevance to Superman. Which, yeah, actually, yeah, and 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 even Batman himself says it yeah. in, in the issue. My father will always be there for me, and I will always be there for him. Yeah, right. And you know, instead of the father teaching the son to become a great protector, um, and in doing so, uh, surpassing his father's own accomplishments, mm-hmm. the son actually becomes a destroyer. Yeah, seeking to only protect the relationship that he has with his father. Yeah, right. So I thought that that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Right, uh, but I actually have a question for you, okay, um, Jerry. Uh, we also see a father-son interaction in this in this issue as well between Victor and Silas Stone. Yeah, right. So, uh, what can you draw between that relationship versus the relationship between um, Alfred and Batman? In this particular issue, for me, Silas, Silas, and Victor. Um, Victor Stone. Yeah, not me. <laughs> not you. Victor Stone. Uh, Silas and Victor. Essentially, the because the human aspect is mm-hmm. still there mm-hmm. for both characters. Yeah, they there. There's a mirror between the phrase that they use, and it's used constantly throughout the issue, mm-hmm. which is "How may I help you?" Yeah, that quote is that phrase is constantly used, mm-hmm. and it's in it's in every instance of that interaction between the father and son, mm-hmm. and. When they took the human aspect out of Alfred, mm-hmm. the the phrase "How may I help you?" took a completely different meaning, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's not to help him, but it's yeah. to to change him, yeah, to change Bruce. Yeah. And in Victor and Silas's case, Silas is constantly from Detroit mm-hmm. um, because the 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 lab is in Star Detroit. Labs is there. Yeah. So is it Star Labs? Um, I think it's Star. Yeah, Labs. Star Labs. Yeah. So Silas is essentially constantly asking Cyber because he knows he's in trouble from the Watchtower. Yeah. Like, how may I help you? I want to help. I, I want to be there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take you out of danger. I want to help you. Yeah. And it's actually really sad yeah. because it's taken that same phrase and just perversed it. Yeah. Right? And to change the meaning of that phrase between Alfred and Batman, mm-hmm. um, 
just sort of changing it from what we're used to as a norm between Alfred and Batman mm-hmm. is it really just perverts that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And that relationship you can tell right away it's the relationship between cyborgs and relationship uh, between machines and relationship mm-hmm. between cyborg and Silas. So Victor and Silas. Mm-hmm. They essentially played opposite roles. Yeah. Because we know cyborg is uh, a robot. Mm-hmm. Right, we know Victor is a is a robot, mm-hmm. and we know from this side, Batman mm-hmm. and Alfred, to most analogies, are mm-hmm. are humans, are the yeah. most human of characters. Yeah, they turn that whole thing around. Yeah, where you can really feel the human nature from from Victor and Silas. Yeah, really feel that stone cold, that stone cold I connection between yeah. Alfred. Yeah. like Robo Alfred and Robo Batman. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's it's really interesting that they, they completely turned that around. Yeah. They completely turned it on its feet and just yeah, it's it's really well done. Yeah. yeah. I, when you really think about it, especially with um the, the way they write the the interaction between the two fathers and the two sons. Yeah. It's almost the same. The way they write them, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like like uh, Silas is a mirror of Alfred. Yeah. Right. And uh, Victor is a mirror of Bruce. Mm-hmm. Right. But how that how that relationship ends up becoming at the end is very different. Yeah. Right. Um, and again, it's just that reference to or the difference between Earth Zero and the Dark Multiverse. Yeah. Right. Uh, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Right. Um, final thoughts about Murder Machine? Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I know we're running a little bit late. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But one thing I wanted to bring up is at the end, because essentially uh, Bruce makes a reference in the story. He makes a few references in yeah. the story that he, anytime now he wants to ring up his father, his father will be there for him. Right. Because, you know, Alfred is his butler. Yeah. But it's also this sort of like, um, this sort of second father figure to him, right? Yeah. After his parents passed away. So, yeah. At the very end of the book, the Joker who laughs, um, which is another version of one of the dark multiverses, which Batman. we'll be getting into. Yeah, later. we're gonna get to yeah, because that that's like the best one. The, oh, so good, <laughs> so good. But the Joker who laughs makes a reference at the end um, that they are an answer to the world's call. Mm-hmm. Right, the world is calling on them because deep inside, mm-hmm. the world wants them. Yeah, that's why they dream them. That's why yeah. they have these nightmares about them, and that's yeah. why these worlds get dreamed into existence mm-hmm. because they're the answer to what a lot of people think is yeah. a problem but they just don't act it out but they just become this world that's manifested in the back mm-hmm. um, so they're, he's essentially justifying as they're the answer to what the world is calling for right Right. so an idea here that I thought would be really interesting is do we do do is just um is necessary evil absolutely justified? Oh, just, it and, also depends on what you justify. I mean, what you consider to be necessary evil, too. Yeah, right. And, because the idea of necessary evil is going to change and differ from person to person, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we we have to understand that there is necessary evil that exists. Yeah. In order for the right decision to be made. Yeah. Right, but. Earth Zero, essentially the 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 main multiverse, though the main universe, yeah, operates on the idea that these these heroes are making the right decisions, right? right? But there must be a necessary evil there for yeah. them to almost to cross that line, mm-hmm. right? That would essentially create this world in yeah. existence, yeah. this dark multiverse in existence. This dark multiverse will always be there, yeah, right. So I think the idea that necessary evil in the world. It's essentially justified so that you can, yeah. you can then look at it and mm-hmm. make the right decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that part is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. But, and it's and it's going to be a reoccurring theme. I think so. Yeah, think absolutely. So. It's going to be a reoccurring theme, and we're going to see it um, not only throughout these different issues of the Dark Knight, mm-hmm. uh, not the Dark Knight, but the Dark Knights. Yeah. Um, and as well as the the future issues of um, Metal that we'll be going into as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what What about you? Do you have any final thoughts? Um. No, uh, I again, I really enjoyed this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the artwork alone is something that is worth picking up this issue for. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, even the way that they did the colors mm-hmm. to um, uh, to sort of bring about a, a particular emotion. Yeah. 
um, and to and to bring about the uh, like sort of emulate uh, the sort of situation that Cyborg ends up being in, mm-hmm. I thought was was really genius because they could have just called it the regular way, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because they decided to do the grayscale uh, of the different colors and really and really grayed out, it yeah. really really put into perspective what Cyborg was going through. Yeah. Uh, and again, the, the the storytelling. I don't feel like there's been bad storytelling so far in this entire. I don't think so either. In but this entire run, the the um the story is I think really well thought out. Yeah. But the overarching story that this event is trying to tell, I yeah. think, is really well plotted out already. Yeah. So all of it is there. And yeah. All they need to do now is they take this concept and they just they just run with it. Yeah. And they pull all these different references they, they start pumping the details into this event that we already know the start and end to yeah but now they can fill it in with whatever they like yeah and with everything at their disposal and I think that's yeah. when really good storytelling is it, it really truly shines yeah. yeah and I'm really glad that um, they created these characters because these are characters that I would like to see come back yeah Right in yeah. in future stories, yeah. right? I mean, of course, the current story hasn't ended yet, so yeah, yeah, we don't know what, what the ends, fate of yeah. these characters are gonna be like. Yeah. But these are definitely characters I like to see come back for sure in future yeah, stories, for sure, for sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that I think that basically wraps up our comic segment. So with that being said, thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. This has been episode two of the Dark Rose Comics podcast. Uh, remember, you can always reach us by email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You'll notice that the email address is actually a little bit different this time yep. as pre- previous because now we have our own domain. We're official now. Oh, yay! <laughs> <laughs> we have our own domain. Uh, so, yeah, email us at contact at darkrosecomics.com. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to let us know. Uh, you can always also reach us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is otterlygeeky, uh, O-T-T-E-R-L-Y geeky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like the animal and you can always reach Victor at Victor J. Young V-I-C-T-O-R-J-Y-O-U-N-G perfect and as always take care bye bye